Blog Talk Radio. We are only 81 days away from the Daytona 500. Lots and silly season news coming again. Monster Energy, the new sponsor of the of NASCAR's Premier Series. A new manufacturer coming to NASCAR. Maybe, I should say, an old new manufacturer coming to NASCAR. Maybe. H. Scott Motorsports shuts down. And a surprising news tonight, breaking news, out of BK Racing. It's Talking in Circles. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here, and John Harlow will join us shortly on Talking in Circles. We will bring you all the latest news. Monster Energy, the new title sponsor of NASCAR's Premier Series. Is that a good move? Is that the ideal sponsor NASCAR wants? Is this a better option than the other sponsors we currently were hearing hearing rumblings about? H. Scott Motorsports. Shutting down their operation, they sold their charter to the Premium Motorsports. We'll discuss that. Rumblings that Dodge may be coming back to NASCAR. We'll discuss that, what that means, who could potentially go there. And Matt Benedetto tweeted tonight he will not be back with BK Racing in 2017. Where will he might go? Why was that decision reached? And who might drive the 83 car next year? We'll discuss all that. 917-889-8280 here on Talking Circles if you want to join the show. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. Having a little problem right now with the phone lines. We hope to get that resolved very shortly here on Talking Circles. But right now, we'll, I will bring up the Monster Energy deal. If you talk about Monster Energy and the premier sponsor of this sport, I think it's a great move. Um, we're talking about a, a company that has been there before, that has been in the motorsports before, I should say. You know, they did motocross, they did all kinds of things where it was a really um, successful campaign for them in motocross. They've been in the Cup Series. They sponsored Kurt Busch for a couple of years. They were big into the Xfinity Series with Kyle Busch. And here they are now sponsoring NASCAR's Premier Series, taking over for Sprint. Um, you know, I think it's a good sponsor. The one thing I really liked to hear from them was the fact that they've come out and they said, listen, um, you know, um, we want to see more of a of the driver's personalities. And I think that is a good move um, because that's something we're lacking in the Sprint Cup Series or in the Cup Series just nowadays. Um you know, we're we're very much lacking that. And I don't understand why a sponsor would want to shy away from that because I think the personalities drivers would be great. You know, you have a a, a, a bunch of drivers out there, Kyle Bush, who gets frowned upon every time he does something uh, not great. Um, you know, so these guys out going out there and really doing something uh, and saying, listen, we want to see these sponsors 
we want to see these drivers show their personality more. As a sponsor, we want to see that. I think that's huge. And, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a huge deal. And, and I've been saying, John, here, um, listen, Monster Energy, NASCAR, I like the fact they want to see drivers' personalities. What are your thoughts on Monster Energy joining uh, the, the NASCAR's premier series here in the future? I think it's a win for NASCAR. I think Monster brings some excitement. It brings – it markets for the audience the demo that NASCAR is chasing. The thing I worry about is whether Monster farts like you and I who are traditional NASCAR fans and they don't try to hokey it up with all the gimmicks and stuff because Monster's done well in the different racing series they've been in. They've been part of the – motocross series they've been part of the monster truck series they've done well they market well now let's see what they do when they really hit the big time with nascar yeah and here's the thing i'm, I'm curious you mentioned about the, the idea that they have as far as um you know what ideas are they going to have and they're a company that i think that, that i don't think is afraid to rock the boat a little bit which is a good thing because we need to see that now here's where i'm concerned could you rock it too much? Is there something that, you know, um, turn away the fans? You know, I, I was an, I've been an advocate of not shortening these races. I don't want to see shorter races. I think we should let them all run green. Maybe that's the old school fan in me. Maybe I need to look at the future, maybe look at the future a little bit more and say that's not what's good for NASCAR. I don't know. Um, but I think Monster Energy could be one of those sponsors that sit there and say, hey, listen, we had a lot of success in motocross, and we know that, Motocross races aren't very long, and we want to. We love NASCAR. We want to be a part of stock car racing, but we want to see shorter races because we know the attention span of these fans aren't what they used to be. Um, you know, are you afraid of, of something like that, John? Being something that maybe Monster Energy pitches to NASCAR? They when those it took forever. With Pocono was a 500-mile race. It took forever. And it seems like when they dropped them down to 400, it's been more competitive. You look at the 400-mile race at Homestead to end the season, it was a great race. The 400 miles is about right. 500 miles, they should just keep it for these super-duper races like the Daytona 500, the Southern 500. Um, they do the Coke 600. But 500 should be like – a very special race. I think 400 is about right. It hits the attention span. If they do the race in its entirety, they don't have many problems. They usually get it within the three-hour window, which is about the same attention span as a football game, as a baseball game, and you're not dragging it out over and over again. It gets NASCAR in that competitive window for eyes on the screen. Yeah, and listen, Again, I, I'm I'm not a fan of advocate of, of, of taking these races and making them 300 miles, 200 miles. You know, I, I think with the truck series and the Xfinity series, you know, I, I like longer races. I, I like sitting there in, in front of the couch. But there are some races definitely. I remember when we went, I used to go to Dover and it was a 400, the 400 mile race there, and I remember sitting there saying, "Man, this race should be 500 miles. That's insane because it, it could get a little bit." Uh, boring, for lack of a better term, in the middle of those races at Dover. And it used to be 500 miles. And nowadays, with the fact that we don't see engines blow, that the attrition rate's not nearly as high as it used to be, you know, these teams and these cars 
can make 500 miles no problem. I think that's part of the problem is that we don't – it, it takes the excitement away a little bit. How many times do you see the leader nowadays leading and blowing up? It doesn't happen. Um, we used to see that quite a bit. You know, if somebody, uh, you know, put trying something with their engine and, and they're leading, in, leading the, the field and dominating the race completely, and all of a sudden their engine blows because it couldn't last 500 miles, that adds a sort of bit of an excitement to the race because you sat there and say, okay, well, that guy's out of the race. Next, who's, who's, who's the second best car? Who's going to go up there and step up their game a little bit and add a little bit of intrigue in the middle of a race? Um, we don't see that anymore. So I think that that's part of it, that maybe it is a good thing to maybe look at shortening some of these races. But, again, I don't want to see in 200, 300 miles. Something else I, say, I, I talk about is the fact that we'd like to see raw emotions. Now, here's the thing I'm, I'm afraid about when, when they come out and say that. I don't want this to be like the WWE, John. I don't want to see drivers and teams and everybody fighting just because of the fact that we don't have, we don't have fights and fights are interesting and, and stuff like that. I just want Monster Energy to say, you know what? We don't care what you do. Just go out there and be yourself and make it entertaining because I think that is something that's lacking. Uh, I think these drivers, sometimes, most of them are too polished, and I think the sponsors have a lot to do with that. I'm not saying Sprint had a lot to do with that, but I think the sponsors in general have a lot to do with that. So kind of an interesting uh, <clears throat> comment from Monster Energy there, John, about seeing drivers raw motion. I thought it was funny that whenever they had the press conference to announce that Monster Energy brought up the Robbie Gordon incident where he threw his helmet and because he was a backmarker car at the time of Monster Energy was sponsoring, they asked him, could he throw it again more often so he can get him some camera time. But when you look at the drivers in the garage right now, Johnson's polished, Ken's is polished unless you wreck him out of the lead and then he'll get you. Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, that's about it for people who have, and Harvick, people who have tempers and will have, and have no problem showing. Everybody else is all corporate culture because that's the way they've been brought up. It's like, if you want to keep your sponsor, you need to be good with your sponsor. You got to be able to make sure what, no matter how bad your race was, you got to be able to go through the list of sponsors and say, we had a bad day, but thank all your sponsors and everything. There isn't that raw emotion in there. When Kevin Harvick gets wrecked, he's pissed. And he shows it. When Kyle Busch has a bad race, he's ticked off, and he shows it. That isn't there in the garage. I mean, heck, you look. Uh, I was listening to Chocolate Myers earlier in the week, and they were he was doing his old Bill Elliott impersonation. Well, we were driving on the back stretch, and somebody hit me and put me in the wall, and wasn't good for our car. I mean, Chase Elliott is one of the faces of the future of NASCAR. He's Bill Jr. He, I mean, he says the same thing. You don't hear or see any major emotion out of Chase Elliott when you put a camera in front of him. Ryan Blaney's the same way. They're funny as heck when you get them on uh, social media, but when you put a camera in front of them when they got their uniform on, they're corporate sponsors, and they know that they got to take care of their sponsors, and they're not going to go too far off the reservation. When you get a Harvick, a Kyle Busch, who have the backing behind them, have the history behind them, they have no problem showing their energy. If you really think about it, the only real character you saw in a post-race interview or a pre-race interview this past year was Stewart because he didn't care. Right. Listen, I think you're right on that. I think it's going to take several years to kind of get that mentality out of the driver's heads. No doubt about it because they're so used to being 
uh, corporatized, I guess you can call it, and, and the corporate sponsors meaning so much, I, I do think it's going to take several years for Monster to say, you know what, we're not going to f- find you. For NASCAR not to, to find them or suspend them for something they say on the radio. Uh, you know, remember when Dale Jr. years ago cursed on a radio NASCAR find him? I mean, we just got kind of too um, polished, I think. It'd be nice to see a change. Again, I don't know if we're going to see it right away, two, three years down the road, but if these drivers come up and NASCAR sort of says, you know what, we're not going to worry about that because our head sponsor really kind of wants to see the driver's emotions, I think maybe we'll see that back. That'd be great to see. 917-889-8280 to join the conversation here on Talking Circles tonight if you want to join on anything we're going to discuss. Uh, to put a bow on this Monster Energy deal, John, um, I want to discuss, it was kind of a, an interesting announcement on last Thursday. It was a week from tonight uh, that they announced this. And they come out and they kind of tell you, hey, listen, um, well, we don't really know if it's going to be called Cup or not. There's no logo for this sport, for the for the series right now. So it almost seemed rushed. But there are a couple of things that Monster Energy has they have exclusivity, which, which drives me crazy, which means that no other energy drink that's not in the sport can come into the sport. Monster Energy says, you know what, we, don't, we want to be the sole energy drink of NASCAR. Five-hour energy shouldn't be affected. They're grandfathered in. Um, but listen, I, I, just, I don't like that. I think that's a problem to have. But I understand why NASCAR does that. I understand why Monster Energy does it. It just seems sort of rushed, John. And I think that's, that just shows you that, listen, everybody who is saying that, that NASCAR taking a long time to announce this sponsorship for the, for the Premier Series uh, and that it wasn't a big deal, I don't know how you can say that because I think they sort of rushed it so they could kind of end those talks and say, no, no, we have a sponsor because they fully, I don't know if they were 100% ready to come out and make this announcement like they, like they did with Sprint. When they announced Sprint, they had a logo. They knew it was a Sprint Cup Series. They knew everything there was to know about it. Now it's sort of up in the air and questions to answers to questions we might not know until the end of the new, until the new year. So I just felt like it was kind of rushed and, and partially because of the fact that they wanted to get it out there and it, it looked bad for them on the PR side of things. From what I understand, uh, listening to Sirius XM this week, um, that Monster Energy signed that contract Thursday morning. And the press conference was put together Thursday afternoon. Now, I was thinking that if they got whatever done, at least wait until after the banquet and do it Monday. Have a couple days or whatever, give Sprint their due, and they announce it Monday. But I think NASCAR was so worried that Chris and Lee Spencer and all the major beat writers wouldn't have anything to write about that they'd just be pestering NASCAR. When are you going to announce a series? How much? How many years? How much money's involved? What are the rules behind it and everything? I think they just wanted to get something knocked out to get the press off of them and they could worry about the details later. I think that's how this press conference came about because it looked thrown together. I mean, like you said, no no logo, no name. It's just Monster has signed. How many years? Well, it's a multi-year deal with a couple options. And it's like, how much money's involved? Well, it's undisclosed. I mean, the drivers, the teams need to know how much is in this because the point fund comes from right. the, spot, the title sponsor. 
Now, granted, they're making a billion-plus bucks off the TV deal, and I can't see why they don't funnel a bunch of that into the point fund. But it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it seems like it was thrown together. And I don't think NASCAR realizes the people in Daytona. I don't think they realize that it's it, they're on shaky ground right now. And I don't think they get it. It really was an interesting press conference. Again, because, you know, when I envisioned an announcement for this replacement for Sprint, I envisioned a logo. I envisioned everything. It was kind of like when you're looking online and you're watching online, you're going, man, this kind of looks kind of odd. I mean, this is just almost it was rushed. And not that that's a bad thing, but it was just very curious how it was announced at the banquet. I was surprised they did it and kind of took the before the banquet, like you said. Um, I thought it would be after the banquet, but I just think from the PR perspective, um, they didn't want any more bad PR about this not getting a premier title sponsor yet. So that's why they ru- kind of sort of rushed to announce it. 917-889-8280, Talking in Circles tonight. Clayton Caldwell, SpeedwayMedia.com's John, John Harlow with you as well here tonight on Talking in Circles. Okay. Uh, we, we talked about the monster deal, but there's a couple other news to come out this week. H. Scott Motorsports. Um, a team that was owned by Harry Scott. They purchased assets from Phoenix Racing a couple of years ago, not too long ago, which is kind of shocking. They're a newer team, uh, but they've announced they sold their charter to Premium Motorsports. Uh, Premium Motorsports is, is a 98. They ran a 98 and a 55 car in a Cup Series this year, owned by Jay Robinson Racing. If Jay Robinson, if you remember Jay Robinson, he owned an Xfinity Series team for a while. Um, owns Premium Motorsports. They lease their charter. They have a charter from that 98 car from from buying Phil Parsons Racing a couple of year, uh, last year. So they have a charter from that 98 team. They lease that to the 46 this uh, in 2016. Um, obviously, Harry Scott, who ran that 46 car, couldn't find the the charter to put keep Michael Lynette there and keep him guaranteed into the race it all year long. So Michael Annette left and went to Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. That's where he'll be running his races in 2017. Clint Boyer, who was there on a one-year deal, which everybody knew was well-documented. Stewart was going to finish this year in the 14, and then Boyer was going to hop in in 2017, hop in the 14. And he drove the number 15, which was previously the 51 at H. Scott Motorsports. So really, Harry Scott was a guy with a charter. He had one charter without a sponsor. Sold it to Premium Motorsports, um, and Premium Motorsports then took their charter that they leased to the ninety-eight uh, to the forty-six team this year, and sold it to the number seventy-seven team at Furniture Racing. Now, why is that important? There's a couple of things here that's important before I go to you, John, about the chartering system for Premium Motorsports. Um, one is Premium Motorsports leased that charter out this year, so that there's a, a rule in the charters and in the chartering system that says you're only allowed to release your charter release your charter once every three years. Also, um, you're also the fact that um, they finished in the bottom three this year. Now, there's that rule that everybody keeps talking about. That's why Tommy Baldwin sort of sold his charter, that if you finish in the bottom three for, for the last, for the next, for three years in a row, if you finish in the bottom three of the charter teams for three years in a row, you could quote unquote lose your charter. The 46 car did that this year. Uh, so that charter that, that Premium Motorsports previously had 
had finished in the bottom three. But the 15 car didn't do it. So basically, Premium Motorsports got a brand-new charter that has no ties to it. They can do whatever they want to it. Sold their charter from last year to the number 77 car at Furniture Row Racing, which obviously won't finish in the bottom three because that's a, that's a Jokers-affiliated racing car. Eric Jones is a good driver. They have a uh, sponsorship from Five Hour Energy. So a lot to take in there, John. I hope I was clear there. Um, but what are your thoughts about Harry Scott selling his race team, uh, sort of selling, shutting down? He, he came out and said, we will not run a car in 2017, selling their charter, their premium motorsports. What do you make of all that? I think it's pretty sad. I mean, you, James Finch was a guy who did it on his own, kept trying, trying, Brad Tulowski. He just kept walking too better. And he kept a little bit from Henry. But he kept doing it on this thing. He had 15, 20 employees. Harry Scott buys the charter, or he buys the team whenever uh, James Finch is going to retire. Um, so it just looks like musical chairs with the charters. And you know, if you look through the charter system right now, it's turning into a joke real fast. Not only is the 77 team getting the bottom feeder charter, but it'll do fine because Jones is a good driver and they got the support of Joe Gibbs and Furniture Row Racing is a good team. But you've got the 16 charter going to the 40, uh, the new car for JTG Doherty. You have the 44 charter sitting there not knowing who's going to drive it, if there's going to be a sponsor, or if it's even going to be run. Um, 32, not sure what they're going to do. They may get a driver. They may try to lease their charter. Who knows? I mean, there's six or seven charters already playing musical chairs. Tommy Baldwin sold his to Levine Family Racing, Circle Sport Racing. Don't know what they're going to do with their charter. I mean, the charter's probably about as worth – I mean, you could probably get a charter right now for pennies on the dollar, and that's the reason they created the charters, was so owners weren't getting pennies on a dollar when they went out of business. Yeah, listen, it, it's a it's an interesting scenario here. You know, we mentioned Abe Scott, Harry Scott, uh, sort of a newer team. If you remember, uh, there was rumblings that a couple of teams had put in a bid for Phoenix Racing. Um, and it's kind of sad that you sit there and say, the guy who came into the sport two, three years ago can't make it. That's sort of a scary thing. I know they weren't very competitive on, on the racetrack. There's no doubt about it. The 46 car was in the rear of the field for most of the year, the last two years. Um, the 15 ran okay at times, so did the 51. But for the most part, they were a back-of-the-end team, no doubt about it. Back-of-the-end field team, they, they were probably uh, – 25th place run was a good run for them, no doubt about it. They didn't have a whole lot of funding. They didn't have a whole lot of engineers. Remember that that story with Clint Boyer that they have one engineer uh, got a lot of publicity this year. And Boyer was, I think, sort of surprised by just how underfunded H. Scott Motorsports was this season coming there. Um, the good thing is for Harry Scott was there was a, a an injunction sort of filed against him by Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer said, hey, uh, you know, he sued for lack of payment. Harry Scott basically said, no, 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 you misread the contract a little bit. So they worked that out. So that's in over his head. But, you know, as much as we, we've kind of killed this chartering system here the last couple of uh, shows, and listen, um, I think the charters, there's good and bad with it. I don't like the fact that we don't, you won't see really teams be able to start up and compete with at least the back end of the field a little bit without a charter. But Harry Scott's at least going to get something. Who knows how much Premium Motorsports exactly paid for that charter, but at least he got a little bit of something. 
Um, I don't think he got a whole lot of money. I don't think he got as much money as he thought he would get. Uh, in the start of the year when they knew this chartering system was coming, I don't think they they thought they were going to get as much the less money that they got. I think they expected to get a little bit more money for that chartering system, uh, for that charter. And, and so that's a problem. Um, but I said it before and I said it again, I'll say it again, and even with this announcement to Monster, you know, we won't fix this sport unless we figure out a way to make this, to make the money in this sport make sense to where you can make money as a car owner with a decent sponsor and if you run up front. Um, and even these back-end teams don't seem to be making money uh, or at least as much money as they intend. You know, I think Tommy Baldwin, for a guy who worked his tail off for, for seven, eight years as a car owner, and he even admitted when he when he came out and sold his charter, hey, listen, I didn't expect – I expected to be a little bit further closer, closing the gap on Hendrick Motorsports of the world eight years ago when I started this program. And maybe you can say the same thing about Harry Scott. He was a guy who all, partially owned an Xfinity, a pretty good Xfinity Series team with Steve Turner – there for a while. Then he went on his own. Everybody thought, well, they're going to be a decent team. I mean, they're going to have Hendrick Motorsports engines, so at least they're going to get that. Um, but they struggled. And I don't think there was a, an end in sight. It was going to be a solo car operation this year without an affiliation in that 15 car this year. That's a problem. When you don't have an affiliation, you don't have a sponsor, you don't really have a driver out there, um, it's hard to lure in, a, lure in a sponsor when you say, hey, you know what, we finished kind of 27 points last year with a winning driver in Clint Boyer. I think it's hard to lure in a sponsor there from that standpoint. But, you know, again, John, it just shows you that they need to figure out the pay scale a little bit better uh, for these owners throughout the field because we can't keep seeing these teams shut down. I don't think it's a good thing at all. Um, one of the things that Clint Boyer was sort of um, disappointed in is he brought decent sponsor money to H. Scott Motorsports and he was probably expecting that sponsorship money to go into the cars. And I don't think it did. I think they were probably using last year's cars, using whatever they get. I mean, the thing is, when it comes to being affiliated with Hendrick Motorsports, if Rick Hendrick wants you to be competitive, you will. You look, Rick Hendrick, his deal with Haas CNC was the same as it is with Stuart Haas, as it was. Rick Hendrick told Tony Stewart, you do this, you won't fail. And the equipment got better, and the sharing of information got better. He's been a partner. I mean, he's been supporting with engines and chassis for H. Scott Motorsports, and before that, it was Phoenix Racing. He's done that for years. It used to be almost the Hendrick test car. But it's like if Rick Hendrick wants you to be successful, he'll make sure your cars are good. He wanted Tony Stewart to succeed with Stewart Haas Racing. They did. It didn't seem like you wanted that with H. Scott Motorsports, and they got the back of the barrel, and they didn't have the engineering support to make Hendrick's stuff better like Stuart Haas did. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it, I think. Um, and that's got to be frustrating because, again, and that's where engineering, you know, in the last five, seven, ten years, however you want to group it, I think engineering's been such an important role in Engineering and engineers cost a lot of money. Uh, computers cost a lot of money. I think engineers cost a lot of money. So um, it's harder and harder for these teams to to sort of close the gap a little bit on these cup on these big time conglomerate cup teams. And you can't do it now without an affiliation. I think with an affiliation, they have a little bit of a chance. 
but they really didn't have one with Hendrick Motorsports, like you said. So I think that hurt them. And again, they were going to be a solo corporation without a sponsor, without a driver this year. So Harry Scott gets out. I'm sure he's disappointed because he had a, He loves his sport. He loves NASCAR, but he just can't compete in it anymore. Uh, a couple. I other think when you look at Clayton, Clayton, when when we're looking at the conglomerates, I think that's one of the problems we're running into with NASCAR. I mean, you look, Hendrick Motorsports in reality this past year was 14 cars. The four from Hendrick Motorsports, the four from Stuart Haas, the two from H. Scott Motorsports, the two from Ganassi Racing, they're providing engines for all of those cars. Then you've got RCR with their three cars, plus JTG Doherty, plus uh, the 13 car, plus the 95 car. You've got Penske doing his two, and somehow they're doing really well. Joe Gibbs has their four-plus furniture row, and you've got Roush, who's scraping the bottom of the barrel with their two now, plus Richard Petty Motorsports, plus Front Row Motorsports. I mean, what what really do they have as a team? They're getting all their stuff from somebody else. How do you know you're getting the best stuff? They're probably not giving you the same thing that they have. I mean, you can match up with somebody, but a lot of times you're not getting as good as stuff because why would I sell you something that's going to beat me? Hey, that's a very, very good point. And I think that's something that is um, missed. And, and Hendrick Motorsports mentioned that this year, Jimmy Johnson with Stuart Haas Racing said, hey, listen, you know, they can kind of spend their money on um, research and development because they don't have to spend their money on making the chassis, making the engines, because we provide that for uh, Stuart Haas Racing. So that's where they got beat a little bit. And I think they kind of want to be in the sort of group now where they don't want a satellite team anymore right now because they didn't see the benefit to it. So uh, that could be why, again, Harry Scott, um, you know, that's why Hendrick Motorsports maybe didn't want to align with Harry Scott because they said we don't want the same Stuart Haas situation where Stuart Haas would kind of beat them with their own stuff and Hendrick Motorsports would be left scratching their head going, how is that happening? Um, which kind of leads you to the next point. You know, when you think about these big-time teams, John, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing is the premier Toyota team, obviously. Uh, then you got Hendrick Motorsports, the premier Chevrolet team. I think without a doubt right now that Stuart Haas has moved to Ford. Then you got the Ford teams with Stuart Haas Racing now, Team Penske. Uh, so I think those two teams, Roush obviously has fallen off a little bit in, in recent years. Um, so when you look at that and you kind of sit there and go, there's only so much money that can go around for these manufacturers. There's only so much information. There's only so much they can do. Which kind of leads us to the next point, John. Rumblings about Dodge coming back. Uh, it was reported that Sergio Marconi, who is the CEO of Fiat Chrysler Automobile, said he spoke with NASCAR chair, Vice Chairman Jim France and International Speedway Incorporation about a return of Dodge to, the, to NASCAR. Uh, they had dinner Saturday night last Saturday night at Daytona International Speedway. He, uh, Marconi said, yes, I talked to Jim France. He, I was the one who made the decision to pull out of NASCAR. I'm the guilty party at the table. In 2009, we came out of bankruptcy and tried to race in NASCAR with the big bills, and we, making payroll was a stretch. Um, so Dave Higdon came out and said there's increasing excitement around NASCAR. We continue to have ongoing dialogue with a number of auto manufacturers about their interest in joining the sport. We look forward to exploration with them on this topic. Now, an updated article 
by Bob Pockers from ESPN basically said that 2017 is way out the door. 2018, uh, I think it would be need if, if a new manufacturer came in for 2018, it would be really need to be sped up the process right now. So maybe 2018, 2019, we're looking at a new spot, new manufacturer coming in. It could very well be Dodge. Now, obviously, nothing is set in concrete, um, but it's interesting that Dodge is exploring this, John. Um, do you think we need Dodge back in this sport? you think another manufacturer would really help some of these bottom teams? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Dodge joining uh, NASCAR again here in a couple of years? I don't think Dodge will – I mean, I don't think it can hurt I mean, to have more manufacturers in. But if I'm Dodge and I'm coming into the sport – I don't want to come in with a BK Racing or a Premium Motorsports or a Front Row. I want to come in with somebody good. Now, Dodge, if I'm thinking on their level, Roger Penske still has room to build engines again because he had the motor shop before, and then when Dodge went away, he got Roush Roush Yates engines. But there's still room in that shop for a motor shop. So, Penske could go back, and Penske was the last Dodge. Ganassi's been a Dodge guy before. I could see Penske and Ganassi if, and part of that would be depending on how much Stuart Hoskin switched to Dodge. would be really somebody up. And John, we're losing you there. We're losing you there for a second. We'll get uh, reconnect with you here in a second once you get back uh, to decent um, where we can hear you again. But hey, listen, I think Dodge. This whole deal with Dodge is an inter- is interesting because we haven't had a third manufacturer, a fourth manufacturer of sports since Dodge left. Um, I think it it would be an interesting avenue. You know what you have to keep in mind here is. It's going to be very expensive to get back in because their engines are. Uh, it's going to cost them a lot of money to, to figure out what they can do, how, if they can build their engines. Who's going to build these guys' engines? Um, so that that's a whole expense in itself, right there. Did they start an engine department like Toyota did with TRD? Um, they got to lure a team over. Um, what teams do you think John can can potentially get come over to Dodge if Dodge decides to come back and say, hey? What current cup teams do you think might be an oppor- might see an opportunity to go there? Remember, they also have to build their own chassis, which is something that not a lot of teams do anymore. Um, so it's going to be one of those teams that build their own chassis as well. If there's anybody I see coming back to Dodge, it would be Penske, depending on the sport, how Stuart Haas runs against them. And the other one I could see is possibly Ganassi, but I don't see them coming back in and getting a front-row motorsports and trying to build them up. And I don't see Dodge doing a to- an engine shop like Toyota did. They didn't before. Penske was the big Dodge builder whenever Dodge was running well. So if there's anybody, and they still have room at that monster shop that Roger Penske has in North Carolina, they have room to build the engine shop and get it started again. They never basically filled the space. They just still have it there in case they need to go back that direction. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think... That's an interesting team. You know, they just signed with Ford, so going back to Dodge would be interesting. We have a caller here, and I'll get to him in a second. 
But here's another avenue you can you can sort of explore here with this Dodge thing. If you remember a couple of years ago when Dodge was getting out of the sport, there was rumblings that Andretti Autosport was going to get into NASCAR uh, from the IndyCar side. It never happened. Um, definitely explored. I think Michael Andretti even came out and said that it was explored. It was an idea that they gave a lot of thought to. It sounded like Kurt Busch might go there because Kurt had the, a relationship with them in IndyCar, but it never materialized. Um, could we see something, some, some team from outside of NASCAR, maybe an IndyCar team come in and start in a NASCAR team with Dodge funding? That'll be very interesting to see. 917-889-8280 here if you want to join the conversation on Talking in Circles. We have Lee from Virginia on hold. Lee, what do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I just want to talk about what you're talking about with the manufacturers and the and the silly season and all that that's going on. Um, I think adding Dodge to the to the sport would be a great thing. I think it's far off. Um, you know, maybe 2018, maybe 2019, but um, it would be great for the sport. There's no question. Penske and Ganassi are the two teams just because they're the big teams that you know they're the bigger biggest of the small teams where you know they have room in their shop. Um, they have all of the other teams and other racing divisions where, you know, if they need to pull money from that to start an engine company, they can. Uh, so I think those are definitely the two teams right now, especially Ganassi because he is way back in line there at Chevrolet. And uh, he's got a really, really good young driver there in Kyle Larson that he does not want to lose. And being first in line at Dodge and being the guy at Dodge, what I think would may entice Kyle Larson to stay there, we'll see. Um, that would be interesting to see if that does happen. Um, hopefully it does. I think it's great for the sport. If it does, we need more and more manufacturers. I'm willing, I want more and more. I want to see, you know, I wouldn't even care at this point if it was Nissan, if Nissan came in as well. I just, I think we need to have as many manufacturers here as possible for every team to be as competitive as possible. Because right now, if you're not a manufacturer back team, you're in trouble. Oh, no doubt about it. I think, uh, you definitely need to be a manufactured back team. Um, you know, those are the teams that are, are big time teams. But again, you know, you mentioned Ganassi; they make their own chassis, so that's a, definitely a a possibility. But a team that a lot of people got got a lot of people's attention because of the fact of what their owner used to say, Andy Merstein, was Richard Petty Motorsports. You know, they they were kind of I know for a fact there was rumblings a few years ago. They were kind of t- talking to an outside manufacturer about um, coming into NASCAR, and that never materialized. There aren't a lot of money there, um, but again, that's a team that gets their engines and that gets their engines and chassis from Ash Fender Racing. Uh, they sort of built their own chassis this season in 2016 and hung their own bodies, and they weren't thrilled with the results. To be honest with you, they were kind of they were very disappointed. They made some internal changes, I think, because of that move. So the question is, will Richard Petty Motorsports, a team like that, who has again, Richard Petty has has ties to Dodge. You know, when you think of Richard Petty, you know, you think of him in the 70s, he ran for Dodge. Uh, his team ran Dodge when they first came into NASCAR back in 2001 again. Uh, do you think Richard Petty's another guy who might, John, who might be a, a, a team that could potentially move over to Dodge if, if they came in? Again, it's one of those ones if the package is right. Richard Petty Motorsports is a race team in name only because, like you said, they've gotten their stuff from somebody else for so long. They've never had their own engine shop since way back whenever it was Petty Enterprises in the 70s. They've been getting their engines from either Everham whenever he ran Dodge 
or they were getting them from promoters or they were getting them from Roush Fenway. So they haven't really done their own thing in years. And Andy Merstein, yeah, he's trying to turn a team into a real team. And how'd that experiment go this year? It, it was terrible. Yeah. They were they were back of the field. And until – and Andy Merstein's a billionaire. So if he wants to be able to do it, he has the money to sink into it. It's just a matter of how much money he wants to sink into a losing proposition. And that's where it's going to be. Um, I think Petty will go to the highest bidder like he always has. That's why he stayed at Ford because he was getting yeah. the support from Roush Fenway. If he would have went somewhere else, he would have had to build his own chassis, build his own stuff, and they didn't have the wherewithal to do it. So he figured <laughs> I'm fighting a cold here. Uh, I'll stay at the bottom with Ford, but I get my stuff. It is interesting. Uh, I think that, again, you need to find a team that not only makes their own chassis, but has the capacity to build their own engines. Lee, do you see a team, and again, I mentioned it earlier in the show, Andretti Autosport, when Dodge was getting out of the, when New Penske was leaving for Ford, there was rumblings that some teams might move over there. They were maybe, maybe take like a, a bunch of small teams and sort of feel, form their own major team. And then Andretti Autosport popped up, and they, it was confirmed. Michael Andretti came out and said, yes, we talked to Dodge, we talked to NASCAR about coming to NASCAR but it never materialized. And I think it was sort of Dodd saying, eh, we're not really sure about that. Do you see an Andretti Autosport-type team coming in? Not Andretti Autosport because they might not want to go that route again, but do you see that? And if it's not Andretti Autosport, then who? Leo, I want your opinion on that. Well, first of all, with Richard Petty Motorsports, I, you know, right now they don't have much funding. There's not a lot of sponsorship there. They have the uh, Smithfield deal there with Amarola, which seems solid. But the second car doesn't have the funding. Um, and if they're going to put money in to build their own engine department, you would hope they would have solid, two solid sponsors there, and they don't. So I, I, you know, I think they'd go in and align with whoever takes the Dodge, whoever builds the Dodge engines. That's a possibility. Uh, on second hand, a team that's outside of the sport. Listen, right now, um, I'm not sure that this is a sport that 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 a, a team would be willing to take a chance with. In 2008, I think or, you know, 2012 when Andretti, the reason why they didn't get in was I think they saw, okay, well, we'd have to spend a lot of money here, and is the ret- are the returns going to be worth it? Um, you know, maybe 10 years ago they would have been, but I think at this point they're realizing, okay, well, it's going to take a lot to be competitive, and how long is it going to take us to build the, to build this up? The thing with Ganassi and the thing with Petsky is they're already pretty competitive teams in, in their current state. Uh, it, it could take them, you know, to the next level to put them over the top. Toyota, if you saw what they did when they first came in, they brought in two startup teams, Michael Waltrip Racing and Red Bull Racing, and it was an absolute disaster. And they spent a lot of money, and they didn't really get their ship right until they brought in a established race team in Joe Gibbs Racing, and then they started to go forward from there. Um, my theory is, you know, they would be learning this NASCAR together, Dodge, uh, you know, they've been out for a little while. Yeah, it's four years, but it's been a big four years. It's been a long four years. Um, it'll be five or six before they get back in. Andretti has never dabbled in the NASCAR. Maybe a, a team like them has never dabbled in the NASCAR. They would all be learning together, and we saw how much, how badly that went with Toyota in 2007. And if I'm a team like that, I might look at that and say, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, and it's a different situation now than it was four years ago, too, because of the simple fact that we have a charter system now. And a new team like that, we saw, you mentioned Toyota, and that's a great point you made, Lee. 
about Toyota coming in, they came up with two startup teams. If, if you're in Dreddy Auto Sport, you also don't have a charter, and that means you're going to have to qualify in on time. So, um, and with these and these charters are going to be with these bigger teams aren't going to let their hands get on them for some other bigger team, a team that's got a lot of money like a Dreddy Auto Sport behind them. To come in and say, yeah, we'll say you're your charter for nothing because you're going to beat our heads in in a couple of years. So these charters are going to be hard to get their hands on, which is another interesting fact here in 2017 that we uh, that that wasn't a a factor when Dodge was out of the sport last time when they tried to come in when Andretti Autosport tried to come in in 2012. That's another thing to keep in mind. There is it might have to be a chartered team because of the fact that you don't see you know. They're going to have to buy charters or something like that. So, very interesting deal there, John. Uh, any other thoughts, John, about, about Dodge coming into this sport potentially? Well, one of the things, when you look at the Andretti Autosport thing from 2012, they run five IndyCar teams for about 15 to $20 million a year. You'd have to run one team at $20 million a year, and you're probably a 20th place car because most of your top 10 teams are running $30 million a year budgets. They're running five teams for fifteen to twenty million. I don't see the return on investment for it. I don't see anybody coming in and doing it because a the charters aren't there unless they're going to buy up the thirty two and the premium motorsports and the circle sports. But it's going to cost a lot of money to be somewhat competitive, and I don't think Dodge is going to come in and suck. You look what they did the first time they came in. They came in with Ray Everham in the nine and the nineteen. And Bill Elliott won races the first year they were in. And they were competitive mm-hmm. until Dodge fight, started fighting bankruptcy. And George Gillette got involved because the factory backing of Everham wasn't there and he needed the money. Ray Everham right. isn't a billionaire like Roger Penske and all those other guys. He can't afford to do a team out of his pocket. So he needed to pull the sponsorship in and survive. And that's where Dodge started going downhill because the factory backing wasn't there. Hey, and you're right, and and that's it's going to be very interesting if Dodge does come back, or if or if Nissan comes in this sport, if a new manufacturer comes in, how it's going to rumble up this field? Because again, I think we're seeing, you know, there's a, a lot of teams out there who, when you look at, it, you say, hey, um, yeah, you know, we we do need, we would like to to try and go a different avenue because maybe we're fifth in line at Ford, sixth in line at Chevrolet. Let's get to where we can be maybe third in line at, at Dodge. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Some breaking news tonight, guys. Some shocking news, I thought. Uh, Matt Benedetto tweeted that he will not be back with BK Racing next season. Uh, Benedetto has driven that 83 car for most of the last two seasons. Um, you know, he's between the 83 and the 93 a couple of times this year. Uh, last year, he missed, or in 2015, he didn't run the Daytona 500, but other than that, ran basically every car, every race in FBK Racing last year. But kind of surprising news, you know, BK Racing kind of pulled Di Benedetto off uh, surprising people because this was a guy who not a lot of people had written as, as a good young driver um, because he just simply did not have the experience. Um, you know, he ran some races with Joe Gibbs Racing. He ran some races uh, with the Motorsports Group in the 40 car, but when he got the 83 car and at BK Racing, you're kind of like, Matthew Benedetto, whoa. You know, that's a good young driver, but he just doesn't have the experience. So they kind of gave him a chance when nobody else did. Um, so it, and it looked very well like 
DK Racing did not let Matt Benedetto go. I think they wanted to keep him, but Benedetto basically came out, and that's what it sounded like on Sirius tonight. That's what it sounded like through the tweet, that Benedetto kind of wanted to explore other options for 2017. Lee, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was interesting, and you know, Benedetto has the job security there at BK Racing. There's no question. I think they, they feel like they owe it to him. Um, he's done a great job for them. He really did. Remember, when he signed there last year, 2015, uh, there was thought he was just going to run the 93 and start in park and, and, you know, kind of finish that out. And he got into the 83 and did such a good job that they kind of said, okay, this is yours. And he's got a sponsor there in Cosmo Motors, which is very interesting. It's his good friend, Matthew Benedetto. And you got to wonder if, you know, BK might have been pulling his chain a little bit. Hey, we're not sure we're going to run with this team. We're not sure we're going to run here. And there was an option, somebody knocking on his door, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Circle Sport Racing and saying, hey, you know, Matt, we've got a deal for you. we got a charter here. BK may have said, okay, well, we're looking at Jeffrey Earnhardt for next year. He's got a sponsor in his back pocket. We're looking to sign him. If we bring David Reagan back, Matt, you might have to run without a charter. And Benedetto probably said, you know what, I don't want that insecurity. Let me go to a team that has some security, whether it's Circle Sport Racing. Let's just say it is. I don't know. I don't have any inside information on it. Um, I don't even know what the team's going to do, but maybe a team you know that has a charter said to them, hey, you may come here, you may not run as well as you were at BK Racing, but you're going to be locked into every single race. And if you're Matthew Benedetto, you look at it and you say, how can I pass that up when I have an insecure future over here at BK Racing? If I start missing races, I could be out of a job real quick. Yeah, listen, it, it was shocking because, again, it sounded like he had some kind of uh, you know, I thought a little, little bit job security there. He does. A, he's a very talented race car driver. I don't want to sell Matt Benedetto short at all. I think he's a very good driver. I think with the right opportunity, he might be able to excel. He, we saw him run really good at Bristol this year, sixth-place run. That got him a lot of notoriety, got him a lot of attention, got that team a lot of attention. So that was kind of shocking news here, John Harlow, this, this evening about Benedetto out at BK Racing. Where do you see him going? We, we heard Lee mention Circle Sport and F33 team. Uh, do you see him maybe diving back in the Xfinity Series? Do you see him maybe even jumping to the Truck Series in a more competitive ride? What do you think Benedetto's future holds? 44 sitting out there open. Um, that could be a good ride for him. One of the things with Matt Benedetto is he doesn't wreck equipment too bad. He stays pretty – he comes out of the race pretty clean. I think he got the short end of the stick at BK Racing because any time they could put somebody else in the 83, they did, and they said, here you go, good luck, drive 93. They did it to him a few times with Jeffrey Earnhardt this year. And Jeffrey Earnhardt didn't run as good in the 83 as Benedetto did in the 93. So I think BK Racing's looking at dollar signs. Uh, Matt Benedetto may have some sponsorship from Cosmo Motors, but I don't think it's the sponsorship that Jeffrey Earnhardt's going to pull in so Jeffrey Earnhardt's going to sit in that 83. But I think Matt Benedetto is a good driver. He showed it at Bristol with a sixth-place finish. If he has a good car, BK Racing doesn't have a bunch of, he can run well. I think he'd be good for the 44, a good teammate to Eric Almarola. And it wouldn't be like he's smashing up cars every week like Brian Scott where Richard Petty Motorsports spent more money on fixing cars than they did on – fine-tuning them because they kept having to redo Brian Scott's car all season. They weren't working on engineering to make them better. They were just trying to survive and have two cars at a track every week. Yeah, listen, it's an interesting scenario he's got here. 
Um, something else to keep in mind here, Lee, I want to discuss with you. I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, we saw BK Racing sort of – they ran four cars in Daytona 500, and if you remember correctly, they had a couple of teams couple of teams in the Daytona 500 run TRD engines. Uh, Michael Waltrip was in, in – I believe it was the 83 at that point. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, at Daytona, ran with a TRD engine. Uh, Robert Richardson Jr. qualified with a TRD engine, and that gives him a little bit more horsepower than Triad. That number 83 team finished in the bottom three. Shockingly, they did. They finished in the bottom three of charter teams. Remember, we talked about it earlier in the show. If you finish in the bottom three for three straight seasons, um, you could, you're at risk of losing your charter. That 83 team finished in one season. It is with, with all the stuff that's going on in the, you know, the JTG adding a second team, Furniture Row adding a second team. It's going to be very hard for BK Racing to sort of improve on that. Um, as far as getting getting out of the bottom three of chartered teams, do you see maybe BK Racing stepping up their program for that 83 car a little bit and say, you know what, we're going to try and run a, a few races, a few more races with TRD engines this year, so we don't finish in the bottom three. And if we do that, we have to sort of hire somebody who has a little bit more funding. Uh, we love Di Benedetto; we think he's a good driver, but we and but right now where we are as a team. We need that extra money. We need that extra uh, security there to sort of build up our our engines, build up how we run as a race team. And the only way we get out of the bottom three there is if we get better engines for even maybe not the whole year, but even you know, five, six, seven, eight races, so they at least finish better than they have. Do you think that's a possibility here, Lee, with DK Racing? It's a possibility if they bring in the right guy with enough money. Um, I'm, you know. Dylan Lupton ran some races in that car this year. He seems to be sitting on some some, some kind of uh, cash pile. Jeffrey Earnhardt, because of his name, is able to sell sponsorship, has been able to do it. Can-Am was signed on for 13 races with that 32 team. They look like they're closing up shop. Maybe they're coming with Jeffrey Earnhardt. And if that's the case, well, then maybe they had to look. They looked at it hard and said, okay, we're going to do that instead of Matthew Benedetto. You know, if Michael Waltrip can find a sponsor for Daytona, they moved D. Benedetto out again for the Daytona 500, and he says, you know what, I've been here for three years. I'm tired of it. And, but you know what, BK looks at it and says, we have to do this to try in order to survive. Yeah, I think there's still some, some room for them to improve. I, I think they can get into that bottom three, especially if premium keeps their charter next year. But you're right. Um, you know, that's, and we don't know what Circle Sport's going to do, but you're right. Uh, if, if, they, if that went through their mind, maybe they're bringing in a guy with more funding. Yeah, and another thing that's interesting um, is the fact that, you know, we don't really know, John, what BK Racing's future holds. David Reagan drove a 23 car this year. Reagan is out exploring other options. He's made that clear. Di Benedetto is now out of a ride, so they could lose both drivers. If Reagan gets a better, uh, what he thinks is a better fit, whether that's an Xfinity or trucks or even the Cup Series, he's out of a ride. So BK Racing is going to have to pull in somebody that they don't they didn't expect to pull in two drivers and they're probably going to have to do that, maybe even three. So are you worried a little bit about the performance? I mean, BK Racing, again, they're a, a, a lower-funded team, a lower-budgeted team. But are you worried at all about the performance even of maybe that 23 car, which we saw a little bit of improvement from that team from the year before, but not a whole lot. What do you think about BK Racing's future, John? Well, I think BK Racing's future, like most of the backmarker teams, it's all questionable because the money isn't there. They're needing to run... 30 million bucks a year to be somewhat competitive. They're trying to get by on 10. And the 
charter money that everybody's splitting, nobody knows what it is, but it isn't as much as it used to be. I mean, everybody's more equal about it, but they're still not getting what they used to whenever they had the bigger pile of money sitting there. One of the things that I don't seem to worry about, and it keeps getting brought up, is the bottom three of the charters. If you look at the teams that don't have charters right now, there's only one competitive team, and that's the Wood Brothers. So only one team would probably lose their charter because the other three teams are worse off than the teams with charters. So you don't have to worry about it too bad. The only one that would get a charter out of it, if they if the bottom three stay that way for three years, they give a charter to the Wood Brothers and take it away from somebody. But I don't see and that happening because the Wood Brothers down the road, either the Wood Brothers are going to become part of Team Penske and Ryan Blaney will drive the 12 and not the 21 because sooner or later the Wood Brothers are going to go away. Maybe. And uh, I think you might see even the Wood Brothers – have a charter this year. I think that's that's something that could potentially happen. But it's a very interesting situation because I don't think anybody really saw um, Di Benedetto leaving BK Racing. I just don't see. I don't think that was in anybody's mind there. I was surprised when he officially tweeted, tweeted it, um, and it just makes you wonder what he has going for the future. When will he announce this ride? Uh, that's that's the next question to enter your mind. And what BK Racing is going to do? What David Reagan's going to do? What about this team? So it opens up even more silliness in the silly season. I don't think anybody expected this at all, but uh, some very interesting thing. And for Dee Benedetto, good, listen, I've, I've talked about this before. I think he's a great driver. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, and I hope for him it's a better situation uh, than what he was going to be at BK Racing. I hope that for him because he deserves that uh, because he's a very good driver. Uh, Lee from Virginia, uh, anything else you want to add here before I let you go? Yeah, uh you know, just that we're probably going to see more of this silly season. This chartering system has added a totally craziness to the silly season. Um, whether or not it's going to make the sport better, I think, is to be determined. Uh, as we are seeing smaller teams close, we are seeing a lot of teams become more competitive. The fact that we don't know who may finish in the bottom three, I think, is a good thing for the sport. But we do need more than nine owners, and I hope in the future we have more than nine owners. I hope it doesn't come down to nine four-car teams running running for this uh you know, for, for in the Spring Cup series. Yeah, I agree with you. Thank you, Lee, so much for the call. You're a a great call every week, and uh, be sure to call again next week. Um, you know, a lot to take in there. Um, you know, final words, John Harlow, from tonight uh, about this off season. Um, what what was probably the most surprising you about the announcement we saw this week? Is it Monster Energy? Is it Dodge? Is it Matthew Benedetto? What was most surprising to you in this final minute here? I think it was surprising the way NASCAR threw together the do- I mean, the Monster Energy announcement because it was thrown together. They, like you said, when Sprint or Nextel was announced, when Sprint was announced, they had logos, they had everything set. Monster just came up. They signed the deal. It sounds like in the morning and at four o'clock. Oh, we got to announce it so we get everybody off our backs and we'll come with the details later. I think that was the biggest yeah. surprise of how NASCAR put it together. I agree, and I, I'm I'm really I was really surprised it went that way, and it just shows you that they didn't like the bad PR they were getting, for sure. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. Uh, great show. Go to speedwithmedia. Uh, click on a little tab. You can listen to all our shows there. I want to thank John Harlow, as you could probably tell if you're a weekly listener, playing a little bit under the weather. We appreciate his dedication to this show for that. Appreciate Lee from Virginia. And we'll be back here next week talking a little bit more silly season here in the offseason. Good night, everybody.